I grew up in a home that was atheist. My comfort was wrapped up in that. So if you come and you start asking me really uncomfortable questions, you're gonna put me in a place where I either defend myself or I need to turn away from my comfort zone. I don't know if I'm ready to do those things. So being patient in recognizing that that's true of other people too, right? Like, so you may have grown up as a Christian and that is your comfort zone and you're trying to convert someone out of their comfort zone into yours. And that's fearful for people. Hi there, this is Study With Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, in the church, and in the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and this week we are talking about expanding our apologetics toolbox with help from Holly's book, Searching for God. We use long-form programming, and this episode is a part of a series. You can get all the rest of the episodes, learn more about the guests in this series, about the resources we provide, and about the larger work that we are doing all at studywithfriends.org. Now let's begin today's episode. So what uh, Tim goes on to say is inoculation introduces a mild form of a disease into a body, thereby stimulating the growth of antibodies and rendering the person immune to getting a full-blown version of the sickness. So this is our flu shot, right? Yeah. Whatever. Measles, mumps, all of it. In... The same way post-Christian society contains unique resistance and antibodies against full-blown Christianity. For example, the memory of sustained injustices that flourished under more Christianized Western societies has become an antibody against the gospel. Let's stop there. Yeah. Um, that, that is true. Mm-hmm. Ha- have you heard people use the weaponization of the church as rationale for... This can't be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Christians have done terrible things. And that's true. And I mean, I, one of my biggest things is our denial of that. I think we have to own it. We have to kind of set ourselves in that and recognize that that's true uh, and be honest about it in order to have conversations. Yeah. And stop shoving it under the carpet. Right. I don't know. if Did you read... Um, the Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. No. It's really good. And he also wrote a follow-up um, called Anti-Racism. Mm. But he really exposed, in a very methodical and organized way, the ways that the church in America had been complicit with systematic racism. Mm-hmm. Not just complicit, agents of systematic racism. Yeah. And I have to say, as a white person, it was really hard to read that book because I felt disdain on myself as a privileged white person and as a Christian. And it's hard to deal with that stain. Yeah. You know, but when we don't deal with it, then we can't have conversations that honor the people who were hurt by it. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to say it was late in life that I found out that Martin Luther was hugely anti-Semitic and that he wrote what basically became the Nazi manifesto. I was shocked by that. Yeah. Why was I shocked by that? Because I was raised in the Lutheran church and we don't talk about it. And they were certainly not talking about that. And, and you know, my daughter, they came up in a class, like she could not get on the phone with me fast enough. She was like, these are the great reformers. What does that mean for the whole rest of their theology? And it's hard not to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. But I think intelligent people can 
take pieces of someone's someone's thoughts and theology and say this is good this not so much mm-hmm. but but ignoring all that gives the culture that has competing ideas and actually hurt and um, pain and brokenness as a result of the church it just it just means that we have no witness there um, because we can't we're not equipped to do to witness to the truth well and this is what happens when we idolize a person or a concept over top of biblical truth and sometimes biblical truth opens our eyes to something that's really uncomfortable and and I have found it in my progression through my faith that sometimes I read it and I go, ooh, I'm not, or this person is not, and I thought so highly of, mm-hmm. right? And so so we have to hold fast to God's truth and then let some of that other stuff go. Because, because I mean, we just came upon this Ravi Zacharias thing, which mm-hmm. is still relatively new. And he was so brilliant in so many ways, right? Speaking of apologetics, brilliant apologetics god be praised he brought people to faith right and yet he had a really massive moral failures massive Mm -hmm. right heartbreaking to a lot of people who put their hope and faith in ravi zacharias and instead of the truth instead of the truth well we're people who want to worship yeah and god created us as a people who want to worship Mm -hmm. it is very easy to misplace that worship if you're in front of me, if I can pull you up on YouTube, it's easier. I mean, would more people be Christians if Jesus was on YouTube? Probably. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's harder to, to access yeah. the truth of the Bible. And so we worship the person instead of the truth mm-hmm. that they represent. Right. And then, you know, that person, every human is fallible. A person who experiences worship of a few or many is going to get, you know, that's going to be a stumbling block. I don't care who you are. So for those of us that are in the faith and that want to be people who love and believe, we need to recognize these truths so we can be willing to listen Mm -hmm. to people who have been hurt. We need to be willing to speak the truth of the gospel in love. And we need to be willing to recognize that we have possibly been wrong. Oh, yeah. We have possibly got it wrong. Even now, as we can deconstruct all these things, Again, I, I, I say that I want to hold something really tight, but I also want to let it, if someone comes to me and says, no, 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 that's not what I read in scripture, I need to be open mm-hmm. to looking into that yeah, and to recognizing that they might be right mm-hmm. and I might be wrong in that. And, um, and Oh, hold, yeah, that's so good. Holding on to that, I think, is really good That for just me. happened to me the other day. There was, um, I was watching um, a TV show, which I love, which is about, makeovers and it has five guys doing makeovers let's just leave it at that (laughs) everybody knows people who know that show know exactly what show i'm talking about um and uh and they were they were doing a makeover on a pastor who was gay and uh the pastor was talking about his faith and he talked about a very specific piece of scripture where which he cited as an endorsement by jesus of another person's gay lifestyle Mm. and I was like what (laughs) so I went and I looked at it and and he he uh posited that the in the original language and you know 
that that is often a place where people get lost yeah. because if a, a wise person says, well, in the original language, this would be more better translated as X, Y, Z. And you're like, well, I don't speak the original yeah. Greek. So I, I guess I have to take your word for it. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> There's a book. I don't know if you, you can't see it. There's a book you, there. It's, it's sort of pale yellow. It's called Strong's Exhaustive Bible oh, Concordance. Nice, yeah. And it has every single original word and what the definition is. Mm, nice. And uh, it uh, goes through all of scripture and has a number. It's usually a four digit number mm. next to that word that tells you exactly what it said in the original language. So even if you never speak the original language, you are not disadvantaged right you can use strong's exhaustive it is ex i always say it's exhausting because it's so heavy to, to walk around with uh, <laughs> it's, on the, it's on the internet too it is that's yeah. true but I, i'm a book girl <laughs> so anyhow i was thrown off i was like wow i'd never heard that and instead of me saying that can't possibly be true yeah. i had to do what you just said which is what if that's true does it change what I believe, what I think that the rest of scripture says? And so I had to, I had to process it. And I talked to people who do understand there most of your pastors in especially reformed churches have at least some mm -hmm. experience with the original language. It's like, go, go talk to your pastor. I, I called a friend of mine who's a pastor. And I was like, what does this say in the original language? And he was like, well, I don't know right now, but I can text you back. And so we had a good conversation. Those are good conversations to have no matter mm -hmm. what. The idea of inoculation these antibodies, right? So, so the memory of sustained injustices, for example, which flourished under Christianized Western societies has become an antibody against the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's definitely true. Uh, Christianity was big back when blacks had to sit on, in the back of the bus mm -hmm. and when women were beaten up by men without consequences. We've tried out Christian society and it wasn't so hot. Been there, done that. Yeah. That's sort of the thinking um, that, you know, when, when we as Christians look back at like, oh, the 50s was, you know, or whatever, yeah. this golden time of like people being Christians, that's true. The 50, 50s was also, you know, systemic racism, yep. um, you know, subordination of women. Mm -hmm. And so if people put that part and parcel together with Christianity, it makes sense right. that they would say, we have evolved past Christianity as a culture. Mm -hmm. We don't need Christianity to give us our ethics and our morality. We have evolved into people who understand as a society how to behave mm -hmm. without the rules that the right. Bible sets. And, or they'll pick, cherry pick. Like, well, the right. golden rule is good. We'll take that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, we love you the know? golden rule. Right, so... Uh, so I think that that is uh, what Tim Keller means by inoculation. Mm -hmm. I mean, the analogy falls down when we think of Christianity as a disease. But it is good for us to recognize that, especially in the U.S., starting these conversations, we are starting with a little bit of um, antibodies mm -hmm. that are uh, baked in to uh, disbelief. Mm -hmm. um, I particularly get frustrated by people who have like sound bites, you know, like a sound bite for me was, can God create a rock that even he can't live? Right. That's, that's like, you stole that from something. Yeah. You heard yeah, that and absolutely. that sounded really good. Yeah. And, um, it and so someone. you use it, yeah. but, but have you really examined your atheism? Yeah. Um, I have a friend, his name is Larry and he and I met five years ago, I was working a uh, little bit on this book and, 
uh, just trying to develop my own, like I said, tools, and which later um, became tools that I would expose to others and hopefully help equip them with. I was on a plane, um, and, and the plane hadn't taken off, so or I might have uh, paid for internet access, whatever. But I was on my uh, laptop, and I was thinking, there are questions that people Christians are afraid of, and so I googled questions that Christians are afraid of, and I found Larry's blog. And Larry is um, as deeply rooted an atheist as you and I are deeply rooted Christians. And so the reason that I developed a friendship with Larry uh, was twofold. One, I asked him if could I use his questions in a class or maybe on study with friends. Like I wanted to get his permission to use his questions so that they could be a learning tool for people who to equip us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, he was so generous. He was like, thank you so much for being interested in my work. And we became friends. But then he also, so he asked me to join him on Zooms and he, I think, uses the Zoom calls with me mm-hmm. to teach his people how right. to be good atheists. Right. <laughs> what I like about Larry is that he tests me and he um, keeps me sharp. Most people are not Larry. Mm-hmm. Most people do not have deeply rooted, well-reasoned, well-studied beliefs. Most, like I said before, we're lazy people. Yep. Most of the time, we will be able to uh, talk to people and really help them uncover gently, both whether they've been sort of inoculated against Christianity and how and why. Because, by the way, culturally you can be inoculated, but also personally you can be inoculated. Mm-hmm. Like if you have church hurt, or or if you are a person who is just did not did not have deep roots in your faith before, for whatever reason, the world started to break those pieces down of your faith. And there are a lot of reasons that people can feel like, uh, I understand Christianity and it's not for me. Yeah. That's what Tim Keller means by inoculation. Mm-hmm. That like a person feels like they understand it and they've made a decision. It's not for me. Yeah. It is unusual to find people who are like, I don't really understand Christianity. Can you tell me more about it? Or, or to find people who would admit that from the start. Yeah. And so, Asking good questions and understanding a starting point is particularly helpful for a productive conversation. And um, I, th- I guess now is a good time for me to also say patience is an right. important factor here. Like, I think that we would like to be people who have a one conversation, like, and we've seen people do street <laughs> evangelism, yeah. and we're like, oh, that was five minutes. Right. Conversion. We are an instant gratification people. Do you experience, like, the the tug of a need for more patience than you have sometimes absolutely i and it, it, uh, interesting to jump onto your your topic i have always been curious and so it, as you're speaking i started to think about my own um my own journey and i am i ask unfortunately some uncomfortable questions mm-hmm. because i don't always know social cues to not ask those uncomfortable questions and I remember years and years ago, I worked with a woman, uh, a friend of mine, and she is Jewish. She was semi-practicing. She married Christian. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, this was before I ever even went to church, a million questions. I didn't understand how it worked. How can you believe that there isn't a Messiah and he believes there is a Messiah? And how can you? So I remember asking all of these strangely mm-hmm. uncomfortable questions. <laughs> and uh, people were probably like, please just stop asking <laughs> You're pulling me out of a comfort zone that I really like to sit in. Uh, And that leads me really to that uh, sometimes there's a fear there because 
I would agree that there's laziness and there's also a comfort zone mm-hmm. that we're afraid to go out of because all of my everything is wrapped up yes in this right mm-hmm. like as as you know and as probably a lot of the study listeners know I grew up in a home that was atheist my comfort was wrapped up in that so if you come and you start asking me really uncomfortable questions you're going to put me in a place where I need to defend myself yep or I need to turn away from my comfort zone I don't know if I'm ready to do those mm-hmm. things so being patient comfort in zone. recognizing that that's true of other people too Right, like so, you may have grown up as a Christian, and that is your comfort zone, and you're trying to convert someone out of their comfort zone into yours, right. and uh, and that's fearful for people. Sure, it's really a scary place to be in because I've set even the the idea of you um, firming up your faith and and the atheist firming up his faith. While I believe there's some beauty to that, I also believe that there's some of like I'm not going to step away from my position. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to learn what you said to fight what you said Mm -hmm. against your position, right? Because I want to stay firm in my own. And so having ourselves be open and patient to letting the truth come to us through the Holy Spirit is a very big challenge. And I think when we ask that of other people, we need to be respectful that we're asking them Mm -hmm. for a really, really hard thing. Can I ask you to say more about the comfort zone in the context of identity, because I think that we live in a culture that has an identity crisis, mm-hmm. that individuals have an identity crisis. We used to define ourselves in one way and define ourselves in different ways now. Um, do you think that it's it's deeper than, I mean, yes, comfort, but do you think it's an identity issue? Like if I say this, then I don't belong in this group anymore yeah. and where do I belong or what do you so think about So I work in a high school. And identity is everything, right? There's a group for every person. And as a young person, I struggled with identity a lot. And uh, I didn't necessarily think I fit in with my family. I was always the black sheep, which they probably go, no, you weren't. But I felt like the black sheep. So what you feel is truth to you. Yep. And so I never really felt like I fit in. And so sometimes I would push boundaries to see if people would still accept me, mm-hmm. right, for who I am. Um, would that person still love me if I push this boundary, if I made that uncomfortable? And so I do think that identity takes up a huge amount of what we are. I, I established a relationship with a young girl um, in school, and she is gay, and she heard me listening to a Christian podcast. Mm-hmm. And immediately I started getting worried. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm afraid she's not going to talk to me anymore mm-hmm. because my identity is Christian, mm-hmm. and her identity is homosexual. Mm-hmm girl right and so I was really worried that my identity was going to affect her identity Mm -hmm. and I wanted to maintain that relationship with her so I think we're taught importance of identity um and we lean so heavily into it that we forget that there's more to us than that Mm -hmm. there's more that makes up than just our identity, right? She is more than just a a gay teenage girl. I am more than just a Christian older woman, right? Like we're older. I know. You're not. I have to admit to it. On social security. (laughs) Right. I'm an adult. Middle-aged. Middle-aged. I'm a middle-aged Christian woman, but that's not the only thing that makes me up, right? I came from a family that did this. I came from uh, friendships that, right? I came Mm -hmm. from certain broken areas. And and so we are more than just Mm -hmm this small identity and yet we focus and spend so much time and energy on that because we want to belong yeah we always want to belong 
there's a lot you just said. Um, okay, so I'll say this. There's a whole series on study with friends about our identity in Christ. The reason, well, the re- most of the time the reason we do these series is because I get so excited about something that I uncovered mm-hmm. in our in my Christian walk that I just can't wait to teach it. Um, that was one of them. I'd heard people saying, oh, our identity is in Christ, and I didn't really understand what that meant. So I'll I'll refer people to that series, but I will say just um, our identity is that we bear the image of the God who created us. That's our identity. Our identity is in Christ. Mm -hmm. These things that we just described, they're facets of our experience. They're parts of our personality. And we want to be seen. And so we, we, we grasp at labels so that we can be readily seen in a way that we define. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, a, that's a big partnership. We want to be seen, but we want to define how we're seen. Yeah. Uh, it's a whole conversation for another day. But it definitely exerts itself on this one. Mm-hmm. Because... If I change my mind about this, what does that mean for my practical life right. afterwards? Right. How does my yeah. identity change? And so I think one of the things, and Rosaria Butterfield, who is a, a great author, look her stuff up. Uh, one of the things that she mentions that we fail on, that the LGBTQ community gets just nails, is the idea of community. Mm-hmm. So... If we aren't, and here again, it's like, are we beating people over the head with these truths or are we inviting them into the house? Come into my home, share a meal with me, share time with me, share my life, share my community. That's the invitation that Christ gives to us. Mm -hmm. But we fail to give that invitation to others. And in large part, it's because we get caught up with a cultural... um, tendency to be debaters and arguers respectfully it's one of the reasons i never really loved bradby zacharias yeah and i i'm glad that there's actual evidence of me saying that on this recording before all that went down the reason being i don't think that's i think it's great he was a soundbite guy Mm -hmm. if you watch all of his recordings he said the same things again and again and that's great because a repetition of giving me that to use in my own life and repertoire is great but he wasn't modeling how real hearts and minds are one, how real disciples are made. Mm-hmm. I love a good debate on the internet. I love it. It's like going to a pep rally for Christianity. You have your side. Right. They have their side. <laughs> I bring my chair, my pom-poms. Our side won, you yeah. know, that, but that's not real life, you yeah. know. Do you care for me? Do you care enough to ask right. me a question? I love to talk about myself. Yeah. Ask me about my faith journey. Yeah. I will talk to you all day long. Yeah. Ask me questions. I want to, I want you to hear me yep. and know me. Well, and guess what? Other people are the same. Right. So if we ask them questions, right. we're going right. to uncover the things that cause them to have com- competing beliefs. This program is produced by Study With Friends. Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org and sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. 
We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we study with friends.